Uh, how are y'all doing this morning? Thank you. Oh, good. Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Just one of us, but hey, we're having a good time. Uh, that's good. Thank you, Chris, for the updates and bringing that uh, stuff from the elders and leading us in prayer. Um, you know, it was the first service, I, this flowed better, but uh, I just wanted to share a heart right off the top. Um, so when we get, we get together and we do a pre-service prayer meeting at half an hour to the service uh, in the morning, so that means 8.30 for us. Whoever's up on the stage or helping with tech or sound or greeting or whoever's helping in the morning, we get together and we pray for the service. We pray for all of you guys and just that God would be honored and, and that uh, he would be transforming hearts here in this place. And so I was just sharing with them that, you know, if we ever are in a place where just the power is out and there's no live stream and there's no slides and there's no sound. It doesn't matter because we're still going to pray, we're still going to worship, and we're still going to dig into the word. And it's funny because I said that this morning and then the sl com slide computer crashed and the iPod wasn't working. <laughs> that was the first service. We, we worked it out between. But So you guys are, are blessed here. And I'm really thankful that we worked it out. For those of you who are joining on the live stream, I'm really thankful that we have these things. And they're a way and a tool that we can use. But no matter what, we're going to worship Jesus because he's worthy. Amen? So I just always want to be a church that is, that is that way. I just always want to be a church that has that heart and will use all the tools available to us that can make it happen, and, um, and we'll do that for furthering the gospel. But whatever happens, he's worthy of our attention and our worship, and this word speaks volumes into our lives, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. So if you're with, with me and you have your Bibles, you probably know where we're going, Matthew, we're still in the series on Matthew, and so you can flip your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be going through verses 7 through 11 today, and we've been working through Matthew, I think we're around part 25 at this point, so we're, we're really cruising, and um, we're at Matthew chapter 7 today, I'll just let you guys get there in your Bibles, and before I read this passage, I just want to pray one more time, and we're just going to... Focus our hearts on the Lord here for a second. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come to you and we know you're good. We sang it this morning and we, we believe that. Part of your goodness to us is this word that we get to read and, and we see your heart, we see your story. We also see where we fit and how we can be a part of your story. Thank you that you are weaving all of this together until the day that you return, Jesus, and you make all things new. We thank you that we get to live life with you now and life to the fullest. And so, Jesus, as we come to your word today, I ask that you would speak to us through it. I ask that our hearts would be attentive to what you have to say. Lord, we can't even understand this word in our own minds, but by your spirit. So we ask that you would Reveal your truth to us and that we would have humble hearts as we come to it this morning. We love you, Jesus. Your words are life, and we thank you for them. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7, I'm just going to read uh, these few verses. Follow along. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, 
it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's the word of the Lord to us this morning. It's a very familiar passage to us uh, if, if you're from Pine Ridge. I think we've gone through this a few times in the past few years. And um, hey, guess what? Once again, it's not me, it's Jesus. We're talking about prayer. I love it because Jesus is so making it so obvious, this relationship that we're supposed to have with a father. And so we've been going through Matthew and we've been looking at the main uh, things that Matthew really highlights for us. And, and in chapter 4, right before Jesus gets into the Sermon on the Mount, which starts chapter 5, it, Matthew gives us a snapshot of, of what Jesus came and was doing. And it says he was teaching in the synagogues and he was proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And then he gets into his teaching on the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which we find here in the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters that we're working through. And so this is the good news. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is at hand. It is here in Jesus. This is where God's presence dwells, where his rule and his reign is real, is actualized. This is God's rule and reign and where his presence dwells. That's the kingdom of heaven. And so there's pockets of that on earth where God's presence is, but we also know that one day it's going to come in fullness as he makes a new heaven and a new earth and lives with man in fullness yet again. And so that's the story of the Bible, really. That's the story of the Bible, but it's, it's the story of what Jesus was inaugurating is this kingdom of heaven invading the earth in him. And the Sermon on the Mount, then, is what it looks like for us as believers, as newly, as believers, we are new citizens of this kingdom of heaven. What does that look like? Because it's going to be completely upside down from what our world tells us uh, how we should live. It's going to be completely upside down. And it's a kingdom that sees relationships reconciled, that we're just absolutely committed to holiness and righteousness because our hearts have been so transformed by the loving work of Jesus. And so that looks like generosity, loving God and loving others, right? That's what this looks like. And it's this transformation that, that can only happen in repentance from sin and a full submission to Jesus as your Lord. And so as Jesus is Teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches of many different pieces and many different ways that just grip, like grabs our, our hearts and, and just like there's, you can't read through the Sermon on the Mount and not be convicted in some way. If you have, go back over it again with a different heart because Jesus really gets to our personal lives here. And yet, Jesus also is doing a wonderful thing in revealing to us who God is more and more. And in this passage, once again, he addresses God as Father. He shows us that God is Father. And remember, the, the Jews that he was speaking to, they, they didn't address God as Father in that close way like this. Not, as, not in the way Jesus did. But this new way of the kingdom would make God our Father in a much closer, real way. And what a difference it is 
to be in the new covenant, have the Holy Spirit in us, and approach the throne of God in prayer as our Father. That is radically different from how it used to be. And so Jesus is addressing God as this Father, this Father that we sang to, and he's such an approachable Father. We get to actually approach him, and he's, and he's extremely generous. And so Jesus is, is just, once again, highlighting it should, prayer should be the norm for the Christian life. Prayer should be the norm for those who are walking in the kingdom. Um, the main piece of, of that dependent relationship we have with a father, right? We're, we're children, sons and daughters of a king, and we rely on him. And he just wants us to come and ask, and he wants to give us good things. Think of the Lord's Prayer. A few weeks ago, we went over the Lord's Prayer, um, and, and the whole Lord's Prayer is asking. So ask, seek, knock is today, right? The whole Lord's Prayer is asking. We're asking God, may your name be hallowed, right? We're asking for our daily bread. We're asking for ongoing forgiveness of sin. We're asking for deliverance from the evil one. We're asking God for things. So Jesus, again, is highlighting the importance of prayer, and it's a lifeline for us. It is an absolute lifeline. He clearly thought that this was central to the Christian life. And not only did he teach this, Jesus, Jesus wasn't only a teacher who just left you, but he modeled it. He modeled it in his life. Through, as we continue on in Matthew, you'll see so many times Jesus withdraws to a place to pray. And he ministered out of that. He, if Jesus needed to stop and pause and pray to the Father that his will would be done on earth, certainly we need to. Amen? Certainly we need to. Um, you know, last week, if you, if you were caught last week, uh, Ken did me a huge favor, and he addressed um, some Greek for us, which I'm thankful for because he has way more of that training than I do. And uh, it also will save us some time this morning. But if you weren't, I'll just briefly gloss over it. So what he was talking about was, um, in English, our tense is there's past, there's present, what is happening now, and there's future. So that's, that's clear to us. But in the Greek, there's past, there's present, but in the present, in the Greek, what it actually means is it's an ongoing, continuous thing. Like if we say, ask, well, ask now then, and then it's done. But in the Greek, when you read ask, it's more translated ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. It's this idea that we're supposed to continually, perpetually continue coming to the Father with different needs with and keep seeking his will, to keep knocking for opportunities. It's this idea that, that we keep going. Matthew 7, 8. Everyone, this is, this is from today's passage. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. These are, these are some very strong words, and it sounds like, it sounds like Jesus is guaranteeing us that when we ask, the Father responds and he gives. And it sounds like there's no question to that. And then we pause and we say, well, many of us will go to the place and say, well, that's, that's not how life works. I've asked for things and God hasn't given me them. So 
Jesus must have meant something else here then. But that's a dangerous place to go because I actually think that we need to come under the words of Jesus and see where maybe we are off. And here's the reason why. I know we don't want to just take one passage. We want to look at what the Bible says. And that's where it gets me, is the Bible continually teaches the same understanding that ask and it will be given. So just for fun this morning, we're going to go through a whole bunch really, really quickly. And this doesn't even, it does, doesn't even touch them all. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. And, and here's why. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith, Matthew 21, 22. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Sounds like a guarantee again from 1 John. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's from John chapter 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. From John 16. And Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you recognize the weight of how many verses we just read through that are all saying the same thing that I think is we as Christians find hard to believe sometimes? God is not stingy. Remember that. God is not stingy. There are things that we need to align in his will with for these things to be answered, but God is not stingy, and he was a good father who wants to give good gifts. I mean, that's what he's talking about. If you come and ask for bread, is he going to give you a stone? No, because he's a good father and he actually wants to give. A few weeks ago, we looked at that verse that said it's actually God's good pleasure in the ESV to give you the kingdom. He, he's not stingy. He wants to give. He wants to give good gifts. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just flat out, we don't believe prayer does much. I believe if we, if we actually thought that prayer did as much as I think it can, we would pray a lot more. Sometimes we think God is reluctant. Sometimes we think that we just have to come to him sheepishly and like try to convince him or that he's reluctantly going to give to us. Uh, but that's not true. I actually believe, I mean, we, we know that there's an enemy. I believe that those kind of thoughts are just planted from the enemy to keep you from praying because prayer moves things on earth. God moves on the earth through the prayers of his people. And that's so clear, so clear from this word. So in order to see the importance of prayer, I think we need to understand our place before God. We need to know where we stand before God. And the first place is exactly what Jesus is getting at as he, as he tells us to call God Father, and it's children, sons and daughters. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons or daughters of God. That is, your, that is your place before God. You are a son or a daughter of the King of the universe, the God who has always been, who made everything you see around you and every person here today. You are a son or a daughter of that God. And that God, as that father, is generous and good and wants what's best for you. 
That's where we start. But we also need to recognize as humans, our responsibility and our authority. Two things, responsibility and authority on the earth. And it starts right back in Genesis chapter one, right back from where it all began. And this is how God made us with responsibility and authority. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So I already, I'm thinking like, Jim, you got the livestock down. Good job. You are, you are authority over livestock. I appreciate that. But clearly we are supposed to, as humans, have authority on the earth. We are supposed to oversee things. We are supposed to take care of things. God just didn't set it in motion and say, okay, now I'm just going to, everything's going to happen from here and I'm going to take care of it. No, we have authority on the earth. This is part of what we were made for, humans affecting the earth. And then you say, well, that's fine, but that was before the fall. But even the psalmist in, in Psalm 115 says this, he says, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. And that Hebrew word given there is actually has this connotation of assignment, assigned. So you could say the earth he has assigned to the children of man. And so the earth is assigned to us, and we have responsibility here, and God designed it that way right from the very beginning. He designed it. He designed it for us to affect the earth in partnership and relationship with him. He wants us to ask. He wants us to seek. And he wants us to knock. He is a relational God. He is sovereign and he is all powerful. Yet he chooses to work through humans on the earth. He chooses to work through humans. And that's part of his design of this earth from the beginning. Jesus said, we're supposed to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Why would he ask us to pray for something that God is just going to do anyway. We affect this, at least in some measure. Why would he tell us to pray for our daily bread, those things we need day in and day out? Doesn't he know our needs already? Isn't he just going to take care of us? No, he wants us to come and ask for those things. We need to pray for the physical needs on the earth here too. You know, I love, I love the, uh, the story of Elijah. I talk about Elijah once in a while. I just love, love his story, and it's found in the book of 1 Kings. And for today, uh, in chapter 17 and 18, it, it shows us a, a really clear example from the Scripture of this principle in action of man or woman praying and enacting the will of God on the earth because that is how God chooses to work. So in James 5, he gives us a glimpse as James is looking back to the story of Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. So Elijah was led. Elijah was a prophet. He, he prayed for drought for three and a half years, and it was so. That's exactly what happened. So there was drought in the land. And at the end of this time, at the end of this drought, God says in chapter 18, verse 1, he says this to Elijah, or after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. 
in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab the king, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah prays, we know the story, and it rains, right? It rains. But according to this verse, whose idea was the rain in the first place? Whose, whose idea was the rain? It's God's idea. What did Elijah, can God just rain? Yes, he could. Absolutely. But for some reason, he chose Elijah to be the human vehicle through prayer that he was going to send the rain. So Elijah prays and it rains. It required Elijah's perseverance in prayer to enact God's will on the earth. That's, that's amazing. So and then we go back to James chapter 5. And remember, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like you and me. Did Elijah sin? Yes. Did he ever find himself discouraged? Yes, absolutely he was discouraged. There was even a point where he just wanted to give up and throw in the towel, and he was being a big whiner about it before God. Anybody ever been there? Yes. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, yet he listened to God when God showed him his will, and he prayed, and God answered. He prayed earnestly, and God answered. When, when he was praying for rain, he and his servant, they were up on, up on a mountain, and he prayed for rain. He prays. It says that he was like, curl, like curled up, like earnest prayer. He prays and he, and he sends his servant, go, go out to the edge and see if there's any clouds yet. So the servant goes and he looks and, and there's nothing. No, no clouds. Comes in back, okay, Elijah, nothing. Sorry, prayer didn't work. Well, Elijah's not going to give up. He prays again. Okay, servant goes again, checks. No, nothing. This happens three, four, five, six times. Servant goes after praying, nothing. Seventh time, Elijah prays again. Seventh time, the servant goes to the edge and he comes back with this report. There is a cloud in the distance and it looks like a human hand. So I'm thinking probably a pretty small, insignificant cloud. And Elijah says, well, you better tell the king to get moving then because the rain's coming and you're not going to be able to get anywhere. Let's get out of here. And the Lord sent rain, lots of rain. Why? Because he prayed earnestly. He asked and he kept asking because he knew what the will of God was. And he just kept asking and kept asking. And God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. Isn't that amazing? I want to remind you that Elijah was a man with a nature just like yours and just like mine. And it wasn't about Elijah. That's, that's the cool part. It wasn't about Elijah at all. It wasn't about him gaining status or being a big shot. It was about advancing God's kingdom. That's what this was about. It was about advancing God's kingdom. Israel, at the time, was a very rebellious nation. They were in a terrible place. And it was, this was all so that Israel would see God and know who he is. Because of the drought, it got their attention. Many of you know the, the famous story 
of uh, Elijah up on Mount Carmel where, where there's the prophets of Baal and they have this altar and, and Elijah has his altar and the prophets are trying to call down fire on their altar. Elijah soaks his full of water and then God sends fire on the altar and it burns everything up. Remember that story? So, so that story happened because there was a drought and God was getting people's attention. And, and it got their attention and it led to this showdown on Mount, Mount Carmel. And how did the people respond to the fire from heaven? When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And that's what it was about. That is what it was about. Bringing glory and honor to God and bringing people's eyes to see who he really is. And that happened through Elijah's obedience and through his prayer enacting God's will on the earth as it is in heaven. That's amazing. So Jesus says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. This happens so many times. It's so clear that this is how God works with people. It's so clear. Abraham prayed to God and he spared Lot from being destroyed when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses prayed, and it actually says, Moses prayed and God changed his mind because God was set on blotting out Israel in the wilderness. And Moses prayed and God changed his mind because Moses prayed. Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed and he set into motion the deliverance of Israel from Babylon. The early church prayed. And Peter was miraculously set free from prison because they prayed. And the list goes on and on and on. And I know it goes on for you guys too because God is still in the business of answering prayers and enacting his will on the earth through the prayers of his people. And that's why we pray here. And that's why we pray big pray prayers here. And that's why we're going to continue and ask and keep asking, right? They make a huge difference. Isaiah 59 uh, is a chapter that describes society uh, in that day, which actually really lines up, I believe, with our society today. It describes a place where there's a, a lot of injustice, unrighteousness, and great evil. And then note God's reaction to all that is happening in this society. It says, The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Sometimes, sometimes we blame God, but we've been given authority on the earth. Sometimes we see things happening that we don't like, and it's okay to question, why, why is this happening? But God, in this passage, is saying, why is nobody praying? If only they would pray I would move. And so what a challenge to us as we see these things happening. Are we praying? Because we know it's God's will to reconcile. We know it's God's will to restore. Are we praying for those things? Are we praying those big prayers? You know, sometimes we say, why isn't God doing anything about this? But God is sometimes astounded that there's nobody praying so that we would do something about this. Where are the Christians? How can they be doing nothing? 
God moves in the affairs of humanity on the earth according to the prayers of his people time and time again. He's fully willing. Remember all those passages. He's fully willing to answer those prayers, and he's full of love and compassion in it. Remember, he said in those passages, if you have faith in the Father, you're going to receive what you ask. If you pray according to his will, it is yours. If you abide in Jesus, anything you ask is yours. And if you pray in Jesus's name, that's not just taking his name at the end of your prayer. That's according to his priorities, according to his purposes. If you pray that way, it's done. It's done. Do we believe that? I think many, I think many of us, and I put my hand, I, I don't pray big enough prayers. James 4.2 says this, says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Like, but God already knows what we need, but you do not have because you do not ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. He just, he just wants us to ask, and he just wants us to keep on asking. Um, when Leah and I, uh, we had three boys at the time, and we were living here uh, over on Melrose Road. Um, we experienced two miscarriages uh, in, our, in our time at that point. And uh, so we had, we had experienced two miscarriages of babies. And no doubt, when you're expecting a baby, at least for us, we start praying for this child, and we start planning things and thinking of the future and and, and praying for this, these children. And we were, pray, we were praying for them, and yet God chose uh, to take them. And so we come to the point where, um, for, men, for, for you visiting, this, this might not make a whole lot of sense track-wise, but these folks know me fairly well, so our story. So we came to this point that we were about to move from there to BC. And we were expecting, we were three months uh, pregnant at that point. Uh, Leah was, not me. And, um, and uh, we were expecting again. And, and, and so we didn't tell anybody here because it was just easier to just go. And then so we got there and the first appointment, there's no heartbeat. And so we've walked this before. We've walked this. Okay, well, we're going to miscarry soon then. We're going to miscarry soon. But we start to prayer and we ask just like we did before. Lord, just, just make something happen. And so you had, with that, you have to go for extra appointments and all that kind of stuff. So, so more appointments come, and the next one comes, and hey, there's a heartbeat. What? Awesome. Great. Okay, maybe the machines just messed up that day. I'll give, I'll give that as it could, could be, right? I don't think so, but could be. But because of this scare, they do a whole bunch of extra tests, and then, and then they came across two issues. Um, the first issue was that uh, it, the first issue led to three different outcomes. The first outcome was a stillborn child. The second outcome was uh, to pass away shortly after birth. And the third outcome was potentially uh, having Down syndrome, which we were, we were okay with, totally. But we prayed about that. The second issue was there was, on these scans, there was a big black dot inside. And so they said it was a cyst, and they were going to have to operate very soon after um, this child was born. And um, so we went to prayer again, and we kept praying, and we kept praying. And the whole time along, just thinking that 
this is just something's going to happen that's going to be wrong, and we'll deal with that and, and, and move forward. But we kept praying, and Nora, our daughter, was born perfectly healthy, absolutely nothing wrong. And so there's this black dot that was showing up all the time. So right away, uh, within a couple of weeks, we had to take her in for scans and tests and like because there's got to be something wrong with this baby. And we took her in for scans and tests, and that, mar- that spot that, that kept showing up was gone. It's gone. God moves <laughs> through the prayers of his people. But I want to say this. That doesn't mean every time. Remember, we had two miscarried children. There are people who struggle with disabilities. That's a real thing. But here's what I think is very interesting about Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Don't write God off because you didn't get the answer that you wanted. Keep asking, and who knows what he will do with that prayer in the future. If we had given up because we didn't get the answer we wanted before, I actually believe that Nora wouldn't be here with us today, and she's almost six, and she's running around and full of energy, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful because God answers the prayers of his people. Amen? He answers the prayers of his people. So we need to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Don't stop asking because the answer wasn't what you hoped for, but come to a father who you know is good and trust him. And that's going to lead us to some boundaries and some markers that we need as we pray. Because we know that God's willing. We know that God wants to. We know that as we align under his will, he's just going to answer. He will. He will. But as we pray, we have these markers in mind. And the first is this, it must honor God. Jesus started the Lord's Prayer with, hallowed be your name. Just like Elijah, right? It wasn't for Elijah. It was for God's name to be hallowed that that drought happened. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. If you're spending it on yourself and you're making it about yourself, these prayers, these asks, it's not honor for the honor of God. It's for yourself. And so that's number one. It must honor God. And number two, it can't be against God's kingdom purposes. It's got to align with his kingdom purposes for advancing his kingdom on earth, that kingdom of reconciliation. And yes, Healing is involved with that and all of these things, but temporary suffering can be a part of it as well, according to God's will. God uses suffering in our lives, and it gives us a hope of glory to come. But ultimately, it cannot be against God's kingdom purposes in order for him to answer that prayer. And the third, for the ultimate good of people, for the ultimate good of you and we, uh, it won't hurt us, ultimately. That's what Jesus is saying here. If we ask for a fish, is he going to give us a snake? Is he going to give us something that's going to hurt us? No. I'd actually believe that if you flip that, if we ask for a snake, he's not going to give us one. I don't believe that he would do that. What is ultimate good then? See, I, that word ultimate is in there for a reason. Because lots of times we, in our, we think and we can feel that things aren't good, but God's thoughts are not ours and his ways are so much higher, right? And so 
It's for our ultimate good. What is ultimate good? That you would be with him in eternity. That's ultimate good. That you would be with him in eternity. That you would receive a reward for your life lived in love with Jesus here on the earth. That you would get there. But also, growing your character. Also, knowing holiness is, is, is good. It's knowing that here, for living that life to the fullest that Jesus said that we get to live with him as we walk with him. And it's such a joy and there's such a peace. The Apostle Paul said this about the troubles and he knew suffering. He knew suffering. He said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul knew great suffering. And even Jesus, the Son of God, experienced great suffering on the earth. Yet he also prayed amazing prayers and saw God move in power on the earth. We can expect both as well. We can expect both. When we need to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, seeking his will, seeking God's purposes. Um, If God would let his own son go through all that he went through on that cross for the ultimate good, right? For that eternal life for you and for me. He may let you go through things that are hard too, but he doesn't want you to stop asking and seeking and knocking those good things that I believe he would abundantly give in greater measure if we would pray more for those things. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, The cross was not a fun time, but for the joy of eternity with you and with me, Jesus went there. He went there. And even Jesus prayed, Father, if there be any way, just take this cup from me, right? Jesus said, even Jesus prayed, if there's any other way, take it away from me. I don't want to go there, yet not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus prayed. And we get to come to God with that same heart and attitude. And as we pray in the daily, we're going to see him answer. And we're going to see some big things happen. So keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. We'll do that together. But do that in your homes as well. We get to live this reality of the kingdom of heaven. God dwelling in us. His presence here. Us aligning with his ways. We get to do that in increasing measure as we walk with Christ and we keep asking him and he keeps answering. It's a beautiful thing. And we get to keep asking him for these good things that he wants to give as we ask, seek, and knock. We get to know and trust that he's a good father. He's only going to give good gifts. He's real. He's personal. He's relational. And he loves us. And we get to know him more in the process. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So keep praying. Keep praying. Let's pray together now. Jesus, we come before you and and we admit that we just don't know. We just don't know fully your will, your plan. But we know this. Your word says that you are generous and good. Your word says to pray continually. Your word says that we are going to have what we ask for. And just like Elijah, who's just like us, God, I pray that we would see prayers answered here in this place. God, that we would have stories that would 
just move people's hearts to say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Just like happened thousands of years ago, I believe it can happen today. So God, may your kingdom come, your will be done. May your name be hallowed. Would you provide our needs? Would you forgive our sins? Would you deliver us from evil? That we would walk in step with your spirit and holiness more and more. And God, get us on our knees. Show us and teach us your will, which is in this word. And you speak it to our hearts in the moments. And we just pray and you move. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We trust you in all things. In all things, we trust you. We love you, our Savior, our King. We look forward to eternity with you. And we thank you so much that you are with us now and respond as we pray. We love you, Jesus. Amen.